Have you ever asked the question whether or not you've truly given your heart to Jesus Christ? It's something that we should ask. And in Mark chapter 14, we learn how Jesus exposed the true hearts of people and how he can do the same for us. It's a message entitled Hearts Laid Bare. It's taught by Pastor Chris Van Hook, and it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Judas was a thief with evil intent. Our, our text told us that he already had in mind to betray Jesus. Now, at what point in time he came to that conclusion, we don't know. But his motives were selfish and money was his God, not Jesus. Even when he realized that what he had done was wrong and, and it says there were remorse, it was not repentance, it was just remorse. And he did not turn to Jesus. Instead, he threw the money down and went out and killed himself. There was no repentance there. This is what Jesus said about Judas, in case you think I'm wrong. In John 6, 70 and 71, Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the 12, which included Judas Iscariot, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. So the heart of Jesus is laid bare, or the heart of Judas is laid bare before us, and I want you to think of one thing, though. In spite of that, and in spite of the fact that Jesus knew this was going to take place, Judas was chosen by Jesus. And he wasn't just chosen so that prophecy would be fulfilled, but he was chosen because Jesus loved Judas. No matter what was in his heart, Jesus loved him and gave him, and I believe gave him every opportunity to even change his mind. In, in the discussion they had at the Last Supper that you will see, I believe that Jesus was giving him one more opportunity to not do what he was going to do. Next, we want to look at the heart of Mary in this text. What we see here, Mary was the one who brought the alabaster vial of spikenard. Now this, this gift that she brought to Jesus was most likely her dowry. And um, Pastor Michael's taught many times on, on the dowry, and, and we know that without that dowry, it was likely that Mary was not going to be able to be married. She was actually giving up that which she needed to complete a marriage contract. That's how valuable this was besides the dollar amount. Scholars agree that the dollar amount here was probably one year's worth of an average person's wage at that time. Think about that. Some of you guys that make, you might make $50,000 a year. That would be, you'd give up a whole year's wages to do this good deed to Jesus. That's an amazing thing. Now, the scriptures show us that, that Mary had a heart that was fully given over to Jesus. You guys will remember this back in Luke 10, 38 through 40. It says, now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary 
who was seated at the Lord's feet. And li listen to what it says here. Not only was she seated at the Lord's feet, and we think of that of worshiping Jesus, but it says seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. You see, Jesus was teaching at that time, and Mary was listening. We know that Mary had tremendous faith. In John 11, 32 and 33, it says, Therefore, when, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, a lot of people have criticized Mary and Martha. Martha said the same thing. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And they've criticized the two women saying, you know, they, that it was a lack of faith on their part. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at going, what? You mean they were supposed to think of the fact that if Jesus came that he was gonna resurrect Lazarus from the dead? Of course they wouldn't assume that. Would you assume that? Would you assume that a loved one, Jesus was gonna come and raise him from the dead? Of course not. But look at the statement they made. The statement they made said, Lord, if you would have been here, I have so much faith in you that if you would have been here, I believe you would have done something and you would have prevented my brother's death. That's how much they believed in Jesus and trusted in Jesus. Now, of course, we know that Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead. And so their faith in him, even though they were sad and didn't know what Jesus would do, he used that as another time of teaching, the teaching that he was the resurrection and the life. You know, Mary also paid attention, close attention, I believe, to what Jesus taught. Because she apparently believed him and understood him when he said that he would be put to death. And is it possible that she actually believed that he would be raised on the third day? Which is why she anointed him before his death. You see, it was customary in that time to do that anointing after the death, not before the death. And yet, Jesus said, do not bother her because she is anointing me for my burial. So I think that Mary listened very closely to what Jesus said. Remember, the disciples just never quite got it. They had spent way more time with Jesus than Mary did. And how many times, at least six times, up to this point, he had spoken about his death and resurrection. But they still didn't get it. I believe Mary did. Mary then, in her heart, not only had this heart of faith for Jesus, but she put that faith into action. Jesus said, leave her alone. She is doing a good thing to me. She put it into action. You know, we talked a little while ago about the widow's might. She put everything she had into the offering. This is a similar offering by Mary. The fact that she may even give up her opportunity to be married. She loved the Lord so much and she brought that, that dowry before him. Another thing that Mary's heart led her to do, I believe, is to evangelize. Why do I say that? Well, in John 11.45, you might write this down for your notes. John 11.45, it says this. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he, Jesus, had done, believed in him. So why do I say she was evangelizing? Well, notice that it says here, they came to Mary. The home that she lived in, as we saw back in uh, verse 38, uh, 
in uh, Luke chapter 10, the home belonged to Martha. It says it was her home. Most likely Martha was a, a widowed person and she had the home and, and Lazarus, her brother, and, and Mary either um, you know, came to live with her afterwards or, or sometime in that time because they all lived together in this home. But it was Martha's home, not Mary's. Mary was probably the younger sister and yet the text tells us that Jews were coming to Mary. Why would they do that? Either she was just really popular <laughs> or they knew that this Mary knew something about Jesus and they wanted to know what it was. And it says that when they came to Mary and then they saw what Jesus had done, many believed in him. So in either way, many people came to Jesus because of Mary. You see, when you sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, and you're there with a heart of worship, and you're there to listen to him, you will learn of him, and you will be equipped to share what you learn. I know that we do a lot of programs in teaching us how to share the Lord, but there's no program that will ever make up for you spending time like Mary did with a heart of worship before Jesus and reading his word and listening to him. That's what's going to equip you to share about him. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I know that most of you are familiar with this. He said this, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 is the key. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we spend time with Jesus, it will affect our heart, and we will learn of him. Well, now we're going to move on in the text here in Mark 14, verse 12. And we're going to be looking at the last Passover. And during this time, you're going to see uh, something, again, I, I picked this area to focus in. There's much more to be taught, but I want us to focus in to look at the heart of the disciples here. So starting in verse 12, it says, On the day, first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready Prepare for us there. Now that's kind of an interesting story there. Did Jesus arrange this ahead of time or did he just know this was going to happen? I, I don't know that he could have possibly arranged this ahead of time because um, some unusual things happened there. First, it was a man carrying a water jar. That didn't usually happen. Normally, the women carried the water jars. So that was unusual in itself. And he told him, okay, find this guy with a water jar and just follow him into this room. And then this is what he needs to tell the owner of the house. It's likely this was a servant of the owner and this is what took place. But either way, that's what happened. Verse 16, the disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the 12 and as they were reclining at the table and eating and, and I, I have news for you, it's kind of a sad thing to say, 
but Michelangelo did us a real disservice in his painting. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, and we'll be back to the message in just a moment. We've been doing a Sunday night service called 633, and in it, we've been looking at a subject called the dark dangers of the occult. The occult speaks of that which is hidden, secret, literally occluded, behind the veil. People are fascinated with these subjects, but God warned in both the Old and New Testament that the occult is something that is forbidden and even dangerous. We want you to have access to these resources to teach you more about the occult so you can tell people who are dabbling in it or messing with it about the hope and the love and the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. You can access this information at our website, walkintruth.com. The teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. Now that's kind of an interesting story there. Did Jesus arrange this ahead of time or did he just know this was going to happen? I I don't know that he could have possibly arranged this ahead of time because um, some unusual things happened there. First, it was a man carrying a water jar. That didn't usually happen. Normally, the women carried the water jars. So that was unusual in itself. And he told him, okay, find this guy with a water jar and just follow him into this room And then this is what he needs to tell the owner of the house. It's likely this was a servant of the owner and this is what took place. But either way, that's what happened. Verse 16, the disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the 12 and as they were reclining at the table and eating and and I, I have news for you, it's kind of a sad thing to say, but Michelangelo did us a real disservice in his painting. Because we see, as oftentimes when we talk about Christmas, so many misconceptions of what took place on Christmas, we see these guys sitting at this wonderful table, right? And, and they're all in this nice order and, and all in these poses, and sorry, that's not what it was like. Generally, back then, the tables that they were used were actually uh, in, a, in a U-shape. I was sharing with my grandkids the other day. We, we went to my grandson's uh, 21st birthday celebration, and uh, we went to Shogun. How many of you guys have been there? You know, so they have kind of a similar setup because they have a table that goes this way and this way and that way, and then one group's on that side, right, and one group's on this side, and there's, it's fun, isn't it? It's a great place. But it would be more like that. It would be a U-shaped table, and, and, and these men would not be sitting up. They would be reclining. They would be laying down. If you've been in the Middle East or you've seen any pictures, you see how they eat. That's how these guys were eating. They weren't sitting up nice and straight. Um, they were reclining. They were enjoying this meal together. It was a very important time for them. Well, uh, verse 17, when it was evening, he came with the 12, and the Asway reclining, and at the table and eating, he said, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Verse 19, they began to be grieved and say to him one by one, surely not I. And he said to them, it's one of the 12 who dips with me in the bowl. Now they were all dipping in the bowl, by the way. It wasn't just one who was doing that. They were all dipping in that same bowl. For the Son of Man is to go just as is written of him, but woe to that man 
by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Now I said earlier, I think Jesus was giving Judas one more chance, even to the point where he said, it would be better if you weren't ever born. Maybe one more chance to think this through. And of course, according to the sovereign will of God, what happened, happened. So as we look at the disciples here, I think we get a little bit of clue into their heart. You notice here that they were willing and desiring to obey what Jesus said. In fact, they even wanted to be the servant. They said, hey, Jesus, what do you want us to do here for the last supper here? Well, they didn't call it the last supper, but for the Passover meal. Where should we go? Where should we prepare it for you? See, they had this willingness, and you see that all through the, the New Testament scriptures and the Gospels, that they had a willingness to serve. But, you know, they were often so unsure of themselves. When we look at what they were saying, they weren't even sure. I think, and I appreciate the humility in them, I think they were looking at themselves saying, could it be me? In John 13, 21, the way that it's put in is this. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one of them he was speaking. And so I see just a confusion here and maybe even being unsure of themselves. With all the experiences they had gone through and all the times they failed, I can see how they would be that way. It was the pattern of, of the time that they spent with Jesus to be confused and, and unsure not knowing where they were from one minute to the next. One minute they'd be showing great faith and the next minute they would be in doubt and confusion and, and in selfishness. You know, sometimes they were so bold like Peter when he stepped into the water and then in the next minute he lacked the faith to stay in that water and finish what he had started. Or in another minute when Peter could be so bold that he whacked off the ear of a guy that wanted to arrest Jesus. That's pretty bold, isn't it? with all those soldiers around. And yet, a few hours later, he would be frightened by a servant girl who was calling him out as one of Jesus' disciples. And I think we can think of James and John, the other uh, disciples that we know quite a bit about. You know, James and John, remember they were up with Jesus during his transfiguration, and yet when they came down, what was the first thing they thought of? They were thinking, okay, maybe this guy really is the Messiah here. We better figure out what position we're going to get. Can I sit on your right hand? Can I sit on your left hand? These men willingly, when you think about it, they willingly left what was probably a pretty successful fishing business and immediately followed Jesus. They had that kind of faith at times. But then they, along with Andrew, another thing that you see is they were questioning Jesus and, and they wanted to know what Jesus knew about the end times. In fact, they were so close to Jesus that along with Peter, they were asked to come and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet what did they do? They fell asleep. James and John were bold enough in faith to think, I don't know if you remember this story, it's in Luke 9, 54, but they were so bold that when the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus, they said, you want us to call down fire on them? They had the faith to believe that they could do that, that Jesus would give them the power to do that. And then, of course, 
In the very next second, they had to be rebuked by Jesus for having the wrong spirit and wanting to destroy men's lives when Jesus said, I come not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And we know that ultimately all the disciples except for John fled during the time of the crucifixion and hid out. So you might look at it and say, well, the disciples, when we look at them, they had a divided heart. You know, as much time as they had spent with Jesus, they really struggled in how to be fully surrendered to him in every circumstance that they faced. They had an undivided heart. So there it is. We look at the Pharisees, we look at Judas, we look at Mary, and we look at the disciples, and we see all of these people's hearts laid out bare before us. And I think the question is, as we go to take communion this morning, is where's your heart? And where's my heart? And I have to tell you that it, as I've been preparing this message for the last week, a little more than that even, it's a question that the Lord's been asking me the whole time. He's been saying, Chris, where's your heart? Are you fully surrendered? Do you have a divided heart at times? By the way, he calls me Chris, not Pastor Chris. Just wanted you to know that. (laughs) You know, I think that we obviously, if we were to look at the story, because we're always asked, well, who do we want to be in the story? Well, of course we want to be Mary. I think we would all say, I want to be fully and completely devoted and have that kind of heart that Mary had, a heart that was so willing to worship, a heart that was so willing to give in such a great way, a heart that was willing to share who Jesus was with those who came to the home. I think we would say that, but I think we have to look at our own heart and say, Are our hearts there or are our hearts more like the disciples? Divided oftentimes, desiring to serve, desiring to follow, desiring to sit at Jesus' feet, but not always doing it. And I would say that today as we come into communion, today is a day that you want to have your heart laid bare before the Lord. and, And we want to do just like Paul said. We want to examine ourselves this morning. Now, in just a minute here, Mike and Lucy are going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song. And as they do that song, if you feel led to sing, I want you to do that. But I want you to take time to listen as well, and I want you to lay your heart bare before the Lord today. And I want you to examine yourself before we come into this time of communion. You know, um, you can come to God, and you can say, God, I need you to show me exactly where my heart is this morning. And you can confess anything you need to confess to the Lord. And when you do, you can experience his forgiveness and his cleansing before you take communion this morning. Now, I don't want to assume that everyone here in this building has actually ever surrendered their heart to Jesus. So I want to speak to you as well this morning. Maybe as you were reading this, maybe you saw a little bit of the Pharisee's heart in yourself. But maybe you saw some of Judas's heart as well. Maybe you've been playing the religious game. Maybe you've been coming to church and, and you act godly and people think you're a Christian and, and yet you know deep in your heart you've never fully surrendered your life and your heart to Jesus.
You've never really given it over to him and you're just playing the role. Well, this morning, you don't have to do that anymore. This morning, as we're singing this song and you can come before the Lord and not only ask forgiveness as as a Christian might and be cleansed by that, but ask Jesus into your heart for the very first time. And so before we begin the song, I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer and then I want you to pray on your own as the song is being sung. But I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer and if you're that person who has never committed your life to the Lord, I'm just gonna ask that this morning you would do that, that this morning you would fully give your life over to the Lord and that you would just follow me in prayer as I lead that prayer and today you can have your very first true communion with Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, first I want to just come before you on behalf of all of us that are believers in you. And Lord, as we listen to the words of this song and as we allow you to speak to us, God, I pray that you would help us to lay our hearts bare before you this morning. And I pray that you will help us to examine ourselves. And Lord, that anything that you show us that we need to be getting rid of in our life that we will and anything that we need to be doing in our life that we aren't, that you would show us that as well. Lord, that you would show us any sin that we need to lay out and confess before you so that we can experience what you told us in 1 John, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now, Lord, for those that are here this morning that have never received you, and if this is you this morning and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to say these words to him after me. Jesus, I thank you that you came into this world which we are celebrating during this Christmas. But not only that you came into this world, but you lived a sinless life so that you might die for us, that you might take your sin, my sin, excuse me, upon you. And Lord, this morning, I want to accept that act of grace that you displayed on the cross. I want to receive you as my Savior I want to receive you as my Lord. And I want to follow you, Lord, as these people did today in baptism and follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I want you to become the master of my life. I want to live not for myself anymore, but I want to live for you. I thank you, Lord, that you offer this gift of grace and I receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael, and I appreciate you listening to today's message. I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. On the store, we have a brand new teaching up. It's on the occult. It's called The Dark Dangers of the Occult. And we have taught on the subject of demon possession And we also have taught on the subject of Wicca or witchcraft, and there's more to come. And you need to know about this subject. You need to know what's going on with the occult, what the Bible says about it. It warns about it being forbidden. It warns that you should not mess with it. But there's also something else. We need to reach out to people in love with the truth of Jesus who've gotten involved in the occult. You can have access to this information, these resources to learn more and to become a more effective ambassador for Christ. It's all available at the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.